0: with Kurt and Anthony on FM 96.3 and AM 620, WVMT.
1: Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Hump Day Wednesday and joining us now online, as he does every month, the governor of the state of Vermont, Governor Phil Scott. Good morning, Governor. Good morning. So, Governor, let's get right into it. Um, flooding. Give us the latest where we stand with the flooding. Uh, we... Of course, nobody would have thought that after July, what happened in July, that there'd be at least some people, I know you called it a gut punch very accurately, that would be facing this a second time. Uh, What's what's the latest?
0: Yeah, heartbreaking uh, to watch uh, some folks who are cleaning out the same basements and uh, fixing some of the damage that they had in July, again, here in December, uh, just five months later. Uh, But um, it appears, you know, some... um, Experience damage, um, but for the most part, uh, the water has receded, uh, and uh, not a lot of infrastructure damage at this point in time. I mean, some, but not anywhere near what we experienced in uh, in July. So that's somewhat good news. Uh, we're still assessing uh, the damage. Uh, people uh, asking people to log on to 211 and and report it. But first, first things first: take care of themselves, take care of their families, take care of their their homes and uh, and then do that after we'll have to uh see whether we uh, we meet the thresholds for uh, a federal declaration and femA assistance uh there'll be uh public assistance will uh, will be more uh, easier to attain uh than individual assistance That's a fairly high bar and uh it doesn't appear that we'll make it, but we never know.
1: And uh, did, did this catch the state by surprise, the severity of the storm? We know, we thank God, as Anthony said on the show, that it stopped raining when it did, or it could have been much worse. But was anybody caught by surprise by, by this?
0: Uh, yeah, somewhat. Um, just the, the intensity and severity. Um, we knew we were going to get hit with rain. We knew that the, the temperatures were going to be elevated. We knew uh, we'd have snow melt. Uh, and we would have minor flooding we knew all that and we were prepared um rest assured uh we were we were ready to go whatever happened um but it um, when you look at the the rainfall amounts as compared to what was predicted in some areas most areas it was about double uh, the amount and a higher temperature uh than was uh, uh previously forecast so i i think that uh that you know again, coupled together uh, was why we had so much water, uh, so much more water uh, than we thought we were going to end up
1: with. And we know in Cambridge, for example, uh, that there was at least an area in Cambridge that got hit really, really hard again. And some of the same people that are still just barely getting digging out from July got hit again.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, again, we're, we're just, we're We're right in the middle of recovery uh, from the July storm. I mean, this will take some time to recover from that. And then for these these folks to have to go through it once again um, is just, you know, again, heartbreaking. Uh, We're going to do everything we can to help out. I'd ask everyone out there listening if they can uh, give a hand in any way, help their community, help their neighbors, uh, please do so, especially this time of year. It's just... Such a difficult time for everyone
1: so of course as uh, you said you're you're applying for a federal declaration um, uh, emergency declaration if you don't get that what does that mean for people who got hit again
0: well again there wouldn't be any individual assistance uh, there from the federal government um, so again uh, we will uh, we'll have to assess this I, I, I don't want to I, I don't want to set expectations too high um, because it's, you know, again, for individual assistance, it's a fairly high bar to attain. Uh, but uh, I, again, we're right in the middle of trying to assess the damage and uh, to see what uh, what the art of the possible is.
2: Uh,
1: and, and on the on the news, uh, there was some discussion. I think I know you weighed in on this, but what is the what is the issue with the dredging of the river? There were some people talking about why we why that was stopped.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not that we there are some areas where the rivers will be dredged uh, around the culverts and so forth and, and, areas that make sense. But for some, they, they think, and, and, you know, I'll just use my 35 years of construction uh, background uh, as, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of defense here, because from a practical standpoint, I don't know how you do it. I mean, if, if someone thinks we're just going to go and, and forget about uh, the environmental uh, concerns, but just from a pragmatic standpoint, to, to get into the rivers and dredge out the, the, the base of the rivers huge sections at a time would be uh, very, very difficult uh, to to just administer. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you do it from a practical standpoint. What do you do with all the material? What about the bedrock? You're going to excavate and then then you're going to build roads in to, to load it into trucks. I mean, what do you do with it all? So it's, uh, it's much easier when you think about this, and, and you gain so much more by broadening uh, the river, you know, the river banks, moving it back, a tiered approach, than you are to dredge and, and, and dig down. But maybe we're talking about the same thing. Maybe folks are, are thinking the same thing that I am, that broadening uh, the river, uh, creating more capacity there would make some sense. Uh, and again, a tiered type of approach along the slopes of the banks. Uh, would uh, would be very very helpful, and you'd gain more volume than you would going straight down because they're so, you know, the rivers are so narrow at this point.
2: Well, I think people think, you know, I, I don't know, yeah, on the surface, like, oh, we can just go and dig a dig a deeper, but as you just pointed out, there's a significant number of factors uh, that that come into play.
0: Well, then you, I mean, you dig down, all right, and then you just create a pond, and then right. you, you have water there anyhow, so. If you don't have a, if you don't do it consistently uh, throughout the, the river corridor, uh, you're just going to create pockets, and that's going to accumulate more silt, um, and then you're going to have to dredge it back out and continue that that, uh, that process. So, again, from a practical standpoint, I'm 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 just not seeing it, uh, but but I do believe uh, that we need more storage capacity. So, we're, I think we agree on the goal; it's just how to get there.
2: We're talking to Vermont Governor Phil Scott this morning. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the Morning Drive with Governor Scott.
3: Hi, good morning, Governor. Governor, I live on the Lamoille River up in Fairfax. I've been a fisherman on that river for 30 years. And I have to disagree with you about the dredging. Uh, in this case, if you remove that dam at the Fairfax Falls, you will drop that, that river level by a good four or five feet over the years naturally without having to dredge it. And if you, if you have the farmers are somebody do their job and, and restore those stream banks on Lemoyle, all the way up through Fairfax and all the way up to Cambridge, that that river just meanders and meanders and all water flows helical, so it just constantly chews through the banks. But if you clear that river out and you take that dam out at, at Fairfax Falls, you'll drop that water level on that river a good four or five feet, and I don't think Cambridge, Jeffersonville would suffer what they're doing. And if you turn the Corps of Engineers loose in Montpelier, we don't need to know how they're going to do it, but I guarantee you, you turn the Corps of Engineers loose and they'll figure out how to d- deepen that channel. I really yeah. think we should start considering that more seriously instead of going through over oh, it All through. right, Governor.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's no doubt uh, that things can be done uh, such as that, uh, and the Corps will be. Uh, we've asked them uh, for assistance in this, and they're, they're going to be working with us to map it all out, all these corridors, uh, the problematic corridors. So um, I... I my experience with the core uh, over my again 35 years um, hasn't been as optimistic as maybe yours, but uh, but we'll see. You know, I, I could be wrong. I, but I've, they're a bureaucratic process as well, and um, they haven't been they haven't exactly been um, amenable uh, to to doing some of the things you're you're encouraging. But we'll we'll see what happens. But they are going to be at the table. They have to be at the table, and uh, we're going to need you know, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars to do this work as well. So uh, we'll need their assistance.
2: All I can think of is uh, when I was a kid, the Army Corps of Engineers uh, helped with the Route 7 project, and uh, ultimately uh, you didn't think, when you mess with a river, it has such impact. My grandfather lost an acre and a half of land, (laughs) and and it was just a simple little bridge abutment. (laughs)
1: Governor, I want to ask you, uh, and I don't want to mischaracterize what Senator Phil Scott said on the show yesterday, but... Excuse me, Senator Phil Baruth. Let me, let me correct that. Senator back Phil back, Baruth.
0: Back up here a
1: little bit. <laughs> Senator Phil Baruth. <laughs> Phil Scott is you, right? Phil Baruth, uh, Pro Temp- <laughs> President Pro Tem of the Senate yesterday on the show, said, and I'm not, I don't know if he said that we have to do this, but he said that some of the considerations with the second flood has increased the need to do stuff about climate change. And one of the things he suggested, at least, was that what happened in Montpelier, we saw some again this time, although not devastating, and he said he thinks you're going to continue to see this year after year, and that he thinks that Montpelier ought to consider putting buildings on stilts. I want to get your reaction to that.
2: Um,
0: well, I, I, you know, I'd love to see the draft legislation on that and the costs associated with it. Um, he did, I, uh, he did I, admit
1: that it would be very expensive.
0: Yeah, I, I think there are other ways to, to accomplish the goals. Like I said, it's it's really about it's a giant math problem when you think about it. We need more storage capacity for all the intense water uh, that we're seeing those the high intensity storms, uh, flash floods, and so forth. What we need is we need a place for the water to go and to store and and just for that period of time until we can take care of it more naturally. Uh, so when you when you think about it in that respect, uh, again, it's about the volume of water uh, going through the river corridors now, uh, the volume of water that we would receive in a short period of time. We just need to make, make an area, areas, uh, plural, uh, throughout uh, the river corridor where we can store that. You know, we're going to have to excavate in some of the fields and so forth. Uh, to allow for the water to to go into that area to store until we can uh, it has the natural ability to recede.
1: Well, uh, go ahead, Kurt. I'm sorry, Governor. The uh, one of the things that has been a big discussion after the is in December was the December one tax letter, the letter that came from the commissioner, uh, which suggested that if all things stayed the same, acknowledging that it could change as it usually does, that it would result all the statewide spending for schools would result in an 18.5% property tax increase for Vermonters' uh, property tax. Uh, again, Phil Baruth, Senator Phil Baruth, not <laughs> Governor Phil Baruth <laughs> or Senator Phil Scott. But uh, Ber- Senator Bruth said, he said, well, you know, he, s- he seemed to minimize it a little bit. He said, you know, these reports come out every year, and they're high, and they always get reduced. We find some money, and it gets reduced. Do uh-huh. you... Think it's as serious? Uh, do you minimize it, or do you think it's as serious as it could be—eighteen and a half percent? How do we make sure it isn't that high?
0: Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's nearly twenty percent when you think about it, and and using all of the surplus within the ED fund to reduce it would only reduce it to that, like eighteen percent. Um, we here, here's the issue, and and I agree. Uh, over the years, uh, when there's been a spike uh an increase we've been able to find money um surplus money and so forth to reduce it um, this is going to be a very lean year uh, i'm not sure whether senator Bruce is aware of this or not uh, but joint fiscal certainly is uh, this is a a very lean year we're heading into uh, the uh the coffers are not uh we're okay uh, but uh but we don't have any extra money we're I'm asking our agencies and departments to develop budgets that uh, with a 3% increase, uh, which is, you know, compared to the 13% from last year, uh, 3% um, will just cover the cost of inflation uh, at this point in time. Um, But it doesn't leave any extra money. And, and when in fact it's less than a hundred thousand dollars, at the bottom line after, you know, the billions of dollars we go through. so, I don't, and I, I've heard others minimize this by saying, "Oh, it's always high." Every, you know, December first letter, and that's that's by statute. We have to provide the letter with with the proposed um, uh, uh, bills coming in, invoices, uh, so, so to speak, coming in from the from the school districts with their proposed budgets. Um, that's what we base it on. But I I don't. Recall it being close to twenty percent in my twenty something years uh, in the legislature. I just don't recall it being this high. so at a time when housing costs and interest rates are elevated, uh, higher property taxes that make housing work the workforce a crisis worse and um, and I hope the legislature agrees we need to work uh, at this, and uh, a lot of it's out of our control but um, but this isn't something that uh, vermonters can afford and this isn't exactly isn't exactly uh, a recipe for uh economic opportunity and bringing more people into the state
2: well and i uh i i i share your concerns and and um the commissioner uh bolio was on with us tax commissioner last week and he he also said some other indicators that i'm sure you're aware of usually when they check in uh they see sales and use and rooms and meals taxes uh always ahead of what they project for like many years. He said in the last 10 years it's always come in and we're like oh that's delightful there's extra money there. He said currently at the current pace that is not happening and it's the first time in 10 years he hadn't seen that. So he he seemed very concerned about it.
0: Well just remember uh, again last year over my veto um, the budget grew at about 13 percent which I said was unsustainable because of what we're seeing in the future. And that doesn't even include the hundreds of millions of dollars of new taxes and fees they impose on on Vermonters. Don't don't forget, January one, is that there's a twenty percent increase in motor vehicle fees. Yeah, I, I vetoed that as well, but they overrode that veto. So we are going to uh, suffer uh, from the consequences of those actions uh, as revenues go down after a few years of uh, of, of growth. So, you know, I. Many in the legislature, uh, and particularly in the House, uh, haven't seen um, this type of shortfall. Uh, they haven't seen the lean years. Um, so, over the last few years, because of all the federal money that's coming our way, we've been dealing with surpluses. Uh, but, um, but those days are are over. Yeah, and, and uh, many and, and many,
1: many of the legislators don't seem to get the affordability crisis that yeah. we have here in Vermont, but Governor, let's get to some phone calls before we run out of time.
2: Okay. Alright, let's uh, go back to the phones. Good morning, you're live on the morning drive with Governor Phil Scott. Hello. You're on the air.
0: Oh, two things. One, I love that U.S. Senator Scott, I think that's a great idea, Kurt. <laughs> and then the other thing is why not build barriers along the floodplains? Like in New Orleans, they got the floodgates. Could we do something to build up the banks to not allow the water to go into the cities
1: or the floodplains? That's all I've got. Thank you. All right, Governor, your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, you could do that. Uh, I mean, I'd much prefer storing it in other areas because you're just moving the problem down the stream, so to speak. So let's say you did that in uh, Montpelier, so Montpelier wouldn't flood. Um, that water has to be displaced somewhere. So what's next? Middlesex yeah. next, Waterbury's next, you know, Richmond's next, Essex is next. Um, so you're just kicking the problem down the stream, so to speak. So um, I think, again, I think we need to create those, those natural kind of more storage areas uh, along the way, uh, and that would be more beneficial. But you know there might be opportunities uh, to do what the uh, what the caller is suggesting uh, but um, but i think we'll, we'll take a look at this uh, at these river corridors and see what what the art of the possible is and what would be the most cost uh, effective and beneficial
2: all right well let's grab another call for you good morning you're live on the morning drive good morning governor i have a question
3: on the heat exchange i don't think you spoke of that yet this morning um I drive the state, and I see homes with house wrap, and to be able to have to convert as the state legislature is trying to make us, it's almost criminal. And I'm wondering, uh, can you not scream from the roof for the whole state to be able to understand what is going to be coming forth uh, if this program, and it looks like it may, go through? And also, I just learned the other day that schools, Maybe having to convert if they're on natural gas to solar—is that correct?
1: All right, Governor.
0: Um, a few things. Um, you know, I have been screaming from the rooftop <laughs> ever yeah, since
1: sure we have. started
0: having this discussion. Um, I vetoed that legislation uh, because, first of all, I, I think it, the Global Warming Solutions Act um, was the start of it, and there were no solutions in it. They, they. Allowed another developed another uh, committee to oversee that uh, council. Um, it's the same process here. Uh, they aren't doing anything with it themselves, but they're asking the Public Utility Commission, a three-person uh, board, independent board, mm-hmm. um, who has, doesn't really have to answer to anyone, to develop this. Um, and then hopefully we'll get another shot at this uh, when it comes back to the legislation once they develop what the plan is Um, but you know from my standpoint it just looks like it's going to be a carbon tax that's basically what it is so if they want a carbon tax they should have they should have just enacted it or at least proposed it and and then had a public uh
1: discussion about it be upfront about it right governor um i want to ask you uh it was just in the news that on day one or right away in the beginning of the session the legislature is going to take up again safe injection sites and we know that's been a big issue in burlington uh we know you have made clear you oppose that in the past do you still oppose safe injection sites uh some make the claim that with all these needles around in burlington everywhere uh and that that this would actually help with some of those problems uh do you still oppose it if so why and if it comes to you will you veto it which yeah i still oppose
0: it um you know, as much philosophically as, as um, prog- uh, pragmatically, I just don't understand how this solves the problem. And uh, maybe I'm missing something here, but so fentanyl has changed the game uh, for for many, and um, and people are shooting up uh, more frequently uh, than before, and and I just. I'm from from a practical standpoint, I'm wondering if you're out in in let's say South Burlington or Essex, and and you want to shoot up, are you going to take you know a, a bus into Burlington to go to one of these sites? Um, are you going to drive in? Are you going to just be there? And you're going to do this multiple times a day? I mean, I just don't I don't see that this is going to solve the issue uh, that we have and. Um, so we'll see what they do. I was surprised uh, to hear that they uh, took this up already, uh, and they plan to pass it out of uh, appropriations apparently on the first day uh, that they're back. But um, but I'm I'm still opposed to it. Um, I just don't understand how it can work.
1: Let's uh, get one more call in. But you get caller. You got to make your question quick and concise. All right, uh, back to the phone. You're live on the air. Well, there you go. They didn't want to make quick. it quick and concise. And concise. <laughs> All right, governor, I want to give you a minute. We're just about out of time. Um I want to give you a chance to wish everybody a happy Christmas, merry Christmas, whatever you want message you want to give to our listening audience this morning. But first, I want to ask you what, governor, we just did a segment on this. What is your favorite Christmas movie? And is Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs>
0: um let's say a christmas vacation uh, uh is my uh, my favorite i've already seen it uh, once this year uh, already um, so that's uh, a favorite die hard um yes it surrounds christmas so yes i, I suppose it should be uh. a, a, a christmas movie uh, but it's it, just because it's it's played a lot during christmas um but i i do want to wish uh, everyone a, a, a very merry christmas and uh, for those who who uh who recognize it, and uh, and as I do, but um, it's a great time of year to get together with family and friends, and and then you know just get together and and treat each other better, and and think about the meaning of Christmas uh, when you're doing that. But I do want to leave you with something to kick around at the the Christmas uh, dinner table. Um, this is our demographics, and this is uh, uh, this is this is uh, in relationship. Um, to uh, 10 years ago. But now, uh, in 10 years, we have 14,000 fewer kids, 0 to 17. We have 28,000 fewer people, uh, ages 40 to 54. And we have 44,000 more, 65 to 79. So think about that mm. uh, when we're trying to solve all the problems that we have. A lot of it is due to demographics, and we need more people, uh, younger people, coming into the workforce. So think about those numbers.
2: We have 14,000 fewer kids than we did 10 years ago.
0: Zero to 17, yeah. And That's, wow. that's according to the census, and 2010 well, to 2020. And what, so, a lot of tr-
1: what a lot of people have trouble grasping or getting their hands around is, while enrollment continues to go down in schools, costs continue to go up
0: yeah well the over overhead and infrastructure stays the same right right right
1: so
2: fixed costs don't change all right governor
1: thank you very much for being on the morning drive as you always do every month and we wish you and your family a very merry christmas happy holidays and we'll see in 2024
0: yeah you too thank you very much thank you very (laughs) much governor
2: all right we're going to take a quick break we're going to check
0: in with